Working as the Post and Courier's Clemson reporter, I get to cover some of the top teams in the nation. One of the things that makes my job really interesting is being able to be at the facility, talking to the players, getting to learn their stories. With a subscription to the Tiger Take, you'll not only get to read everything I write on postandcourier.com, but you'll also get the latest updates straight to your inbox. But more than that, you'll get insights that you won't find anywhere else. Hey guys, this is John Blau with the Post and Courier uh, here for our weekly countdown to kickoff feature. Uh, we're previewing the Notre Dame-Clemson game with Matt Fortuna from The Athletic. Um, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I I'm excited for a primetime game at Notre Dame Stadium and a game that I guess has a little more oomph to it after both teams' wins over Syracuse the past two weeks and seeing Clemson uh, appear as number four in the college football playoff ranking. So I'm excited. Yeah, it should be a good game. Um, before I get to that, let me do a little plug quickly. I almost forgot uh, for our newsletter called The Tiger Take. Um, basically, you have your coverage in the newspaper and online. Uh, we also send you, though, a newsletter mostly daily uh, to your inbox with extra tidbits and anecdotes and such things. And you can subscribe to that by going to the postacourier.com forward slash The Tiger Take. Uh, and again, we are here with Matt Fortuna from The Athletic. Um, I guess you cover Notre Dame. You you watch them, you know, a lot. Um, what is the difference between the Notre Dame that we saw versus Marshall however many weeks ago and the Notre Dame that just squashed Syracuse? What has changed? Yeah, I, I would um, – I'd accelerate that timeline a little bit and say, what's the difference between Notre Dame that we just saw lose to Stanford a couple weeks ago um, and the one that just squashed Syracuse? And, and it's a good question. They've been very uh, Jekyll and Hyde this season. I think the one thing um, – everyone has kind of taken for granted was uh, say what you want about the guy, but you knew what you were getting with Brian Kelly. He had a streak of 40 something games where he won as the favorite. Um, I think he, he had the Notre Dame still has a long winning streak against every non-Clemson ACC team dating back to 2017 when they lost at Miami. So um, it, it could get boring. Um, I think there was a ceiling there and, and I think everyone was kind of ready for a change. Uh, but, but, you know, you never know what you got till it's gone. Right. And, and when you have a first year head coach um, some of the sure wins are no longer sure wins. Now uh, that doesn't excuse losing to Marshall or excuse losing to Stanford. Um, you, we could rewatch those on end and, and still not come up with a good conclusion as to why those games happened. Um, but, but I do think the Notre Dame we saw this past week against Syracuse looks like the Notre Dame team that we thought we were getting at the beginning of the season. It, it, it's a uh, very dominant offensive line when they're playing well together. They're able to impose their will physically, run the football well. Um, and they obviously have, well, I, for my money, the best side in the country. I know some Georgia fans will argue Brock Bowers, and he's obviously had a great season as well. But what Mayer has been able to do this year in particular, where um, he's the main target, everyone knows he's the main target, and he's still making crazy accurate offense in a number of tight spots this year. You bring up Michael Mayer. Um, Dabo Sweeney said he's a guy who he thinks is a surefire All-American. They do a lot of different things to try to get him open and utilize him in the past game. I mean, what makes him such a special player and, and how integral really is he to to Notre Dame's offense he is Notre Dame's offense at least their passing offense um 
he's really good and to hear other people talk talk about him and, and to even you know he's a great interview he, he doesn't hold anything back he's he's pretty blunt uh, but like he's a guy who like really sets the right example because he's a five-star prospect who's broken pretty much every tight end record there's a break in their name and still seems to be playing better and better throughout the season even in a season that really is I wouldn't say he's gone off the rail, but hasn't gone the way anyone at Notre Dame hoped it would go so far this season. He's big, he's strong. Um, his hands are really great. And, and I know that sounds obvious when we're talking about a tight end, but, but I, I think that gets overlooked a little bit. Um, he had a catch two weeks ago against UNLV. And I, it's one of those plays where it was either a really terrible throw or a really good throw because it was put where only Michael Mayer could get it, but he really wasn't supposed to get it. The, the DB was space guarding him down the middle of the field. And, and yet he kind of, while falling back, reached his arm around the DB and caught it with one hand and brought it in. And in true nerding fashion, that set up a first and goal and they went four and out and came up empty on that possession. But um, he, he's really special. I mean, there have been so many third down plays this year where you just knew it was going to him and they were able to get to him. And I think part of that is the offensive line, giving Drew Pine enough time to, to go through his progressions and wait patiently for Michael Mayer to get it in a more open spot. Um, but but it, he, he's saved them from some tight spots this season. And if you look week to week, um, the targets versus Michael Mayer versus the targets versus wide receivers, they're very similar, right? I mean, numbers wise, he is more tight. He might at this point, and I should know this off the top of my head. I've been keeping track of it, but he might have twice as many touchdown catches as the entire wide receiving core at Notre Dame does this year. Um, he has fewer yards, but it's it's too close for comfort if you're talking about one versus four here. Um, and, and he's really stood out at, at a place where, again, they churn out NFL tight ends year after year after year, and it took this guy 30 games of his career to beat Tyler Eifert's catch record, and he beat the, the receiving yards record this past week as well. So he's a special player. Yeah, and then switching sides of the ball, I think Isaiah Foskey is a, is a guy that's come up a lot in terms of Clemson's concerns. Um, uh, his his ability to rush the passer, I mean, how, how has he been able to affect opposing offenses and, and how much of a challenge do you think he presents to Clemson? Yeah, he's a great player, John. He's a guy who uh, had a really tough decision to make at the end of last season and opted to come back for another year. And, um, you know, from my understanding, like he did this, with the hopes of showing enough and improving enough on film to essentially become a top 10 pick. And I, I, like, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't call myself a draft geek the way so many others are like, I, but it, certainly he's, he's a guy who, who's playing his way into that first round status. I think the numbers weren't necessarily there um, early on this season, but he's really come on strong lately here. He'll probably end up with the all-time narrative sacks record when it's all said and done at the end of the season um, and, and him and that line, I think they've done a really good job of getting to the quarterback. They haven't always collectively done a great job of bringing the quarterback down. I feel like there's one or two plays every game where it's third and long and they blitz and they got the guy dead to rights and they let him away from his grasp and he takes off and, and rumbles his way forward for 11 or 12 yards. And, and here we go again. So um, they, they've been good at getting to the passer. They haven't always been good at bringing the passer down. And, and as a defense as a whole, a lot of talented pieces on that unit, first-year coordinator and Al Golden. Um, last week was big for them. They had two forced turnovers. They had a pick six on the first drive of the game for Brandon Joseph. Uh, but they have just five takeaways on the season, which I believe is a nation low. 
they have as many takeaways as they do block punts, which is five. And um, that's really good for the special teams unit. Not so great for the defense. They, they, last week was the first game where I felt like they truly impacted the game and made their presence felt. And at the end with a, a big interception, killed a Syracuse rally late that sucked the life out of the building. So I, I think there's still uh, other levels for this defense to get to. I think they have the personnel on hand to 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 show it eventually but they haven't really yet until last week and they're going to need to do that if they want to spring an upset against Clemson yeah I mean obviously again the record for Notre Dame not what we expected probably coming into this game um Syracuse uh Syracuse why I say Syracuse Clemson <laughs> another Thanks orange team I got orange on the brain uh they're eight no despite a lot of close games um and obviously like you said the college football playoff they debut at number four uh uh, you're a national guy. I mean, you, you look at things in a, from a more national perspective. What is uh, the perspective of Clemson, uh, I guess, coming into this game in terms of where they stand in the playoff picture, kind of, you know, the respect for the ACC or lack of respect? And how big is this Notre Dame game, do you think, for putting another piece on the resume? It's big. It's probably not as big as it would have been had Notre Dame played to its potential this season. I mean, this is a team that as flawed as it is, again, they should never lose a Marshall. They should never lose a Stanford. And if that's the case, we're talking about a team that's what seven and one right now with a, a respectable loss to Ohio state and the opener. Obviously that wasn't the case. It's still going to be a tough environment. Although I'll, I'll venture to guess there's going to be a lot of orange there because these fans did not get a chance to travel to Notre Dame back in 2020 for that Epic game. Uh, look, the, the thing with Clemson that I find interesting, Vegas really seems down on them. And I'm sure you guys have noticed that there, like you look at these two teams and their resumes today and you think Clemson should be favored by a lot more than three, four, five points, whatever the line is as we speak right now. And we saw that with their road trip to Florida State. Um, we've seen it with some other games as well. I, I think they're hurt a little bit by the fact that, look, as good as that Wake Forest win was, there's some shine off it after Wake Forest lost in pretty crushing fashion last week to Louisville. Syracuse is slowly coming back down to earth. And that's a team that, as you know, and as I know, always plays Clemson well, no matter the season, but is clearly not a team that's going to be contending for an ACC title this year. Um, but, but look, until last week, and I'm not like take it away from them, but until or until their last game against Syracuse, I was incredibly high in Clemson. I mean, DJ Uyangale, say what you want about the guy. He had through seven games, before that Syracuse game, through seven games as a second-year starting quarterback at Clemson, he had more passing yards, more rushing yards, more touchdowns, and fewer interceptions than both Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence had during that same point. And yet, we saw him struggle against Syracuse. He turned the ball over three times. Dabo Swinney was quick to to uh, to pull him for Kay Klubnik. And I, I, I think reasonable minds can debate about whether that really worked or not, right? Kate Klubnik attempted four passes. It's not like he lit the world on fire, but he definitely added some energy to that offense. They cut down the mistakes. They were able to escape with the victory. And, and you look at their schedule, it was very front-loaded, right? Um, outside of Notre Dame and South Carolina at the end here, they really probably won't be challenged all that much. This is their last road game of the year. They're already done with their road ACC schedule. I, I mean, I think... I, I think with the state of the ACC, you're probably going to have to go undefeated to get into the playoff. And I think this is the last quote unquote losable game on Clemson's schedule. So from that standpoint alone, this is huge, right? I think if they win this, they're probably going to be in the playoff. And if they don't, they probably won't be. Um, so I, I, I think it's a very big game from that aspect. And again, prime time, Notre Dame. We all remember what happened two years ago during this game. It was epic. Clemson clearly had revenge on their mind however many weeks later when they stopped them pretty good in the ACC title game. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what both teams bring on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is something that's been brought up a million times. I mean, DJ Uyungo LA a couple of years ago in South Bend literally still has the record for the most <laughs> passing yards uh, of an opponent. I mean, how much did that really raise the expectation level, do you think, for DJ? And uh, and how much do you think he's, you know, what was it surprising that he's he's developed from so much from last year? Or is there still kind of a, you know, a feeling he can get even better because you saw that two years ago, what he was able to do. Oh, I think that absolutely created an incredibly high bar for him to clear. Now that doesn't necessarily excuse the struggles he had last year, but I think this year you're seeing the DJU that, that a lot of Clemson fans expected to see. And, and frankly, that's the standard at a place like Clemson, right? They've won national championships with each of their last two starting quarter. Oh, I guess Kelly Bryant was in between there, but with the last two five-star quarterbacks, DJU fit that profile coming out of high school and, and the standard is a standard at, at Clemson. So, I understand why the expectations are high. I understand why at the outset of the season, when you had another five-star like Kate Klubnik coming in and on the bench, um, everyone was kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. It happened eight games later than I think a lot of people thought it would. But to be honest, as much of a, a controversy as this, this is or isn't, I come out of that Syracuse game feeling pretty good about things if I'm Clemson because you survived a close test when you weren't playing your A game. Uh, DJU, I thought, handled everything phenomenally well after the game in terms of the way he spoke about it, how he said he would have yanked himself to, how Dabble publicly said he's our starter. There's no controversy here. And yet, because the backup came in and won the game for you, albeit not necessarily with his arm, you've got to feel like you, maybe you don't feel great if you're DJ, but if you're Clemson, hey, if this guy's not working out, we do have an alternative here that we're not afraid to turn to. And he's proven already in a tight situation that he can get it done for us. So uh, I get the drama aspect of it. I get the controversy because they almost lost. But in the big picture, I feel pretty good about myself right now if I'm a Clemson fan. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're looking at this from both perspectives, Notre Dame and Clemson, I mean, what are the keys or the things that have to go right for each side to be able to win this game? I mean, if you're Notre Dame, what do they have to do if you're Clemson? What do they have to be able to do well? Yeah, I think, I think it's strength for strength when we're talking about Notre Dame's offensive line versus Clemson's defensive line, right? Clemson's one of the best rushing defenses in the country. Historically, they've just been a D-line factory, as has Notre Dame on the offensive line. And, and that's going to be a fun matchup. Who's going to win that battle? If Notre Dame can consistently move the chains on the ground and, and connect through a few deep balls, which they really haven't for much of the year, they'll give themselves a puncher's chance. They also need to build off that defensive performance from last week as well. Um, again, two forced turnovers. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but when you had just three on the year coming into that game, um, each one counts that much more. And I, I don't think Nerdin can win this game without uh, a big play through the air and without a big play through their defense or Clemson playing poorly in some way, shape or form. Let's not forget as, as great as both offenses were in that 2020 game, you know, Jeremiah Wusso-Karamoa had a, a touchdown that he essentially ripped right out of Travis Etienne's hands and took back all the way for a touchdown. There were a lot of big plays on both sides of the ball in that game, which is what made it so memorable. And I think it could be as the potential to be that much more memorable, not necessarily from the stake standpoint, if you're Notre Dame, but in front of a packed house. Again, like Dabo Sweeney, that was his first trip to Notre Dame. And I'm not, I mean, he got the tour from Timber Ray and Notre Dame, the fans that were there rushed the field. It was about as good of a scene as you could get given the circumstances of that year, but it still doesn't compare to a sold out crowd, 80,000 fans who've been tailgating all day and, and probably thousands upon thousands of Clemson fans who were making their first trip to Notre Dame. So um, I, I think the stakes are pretty high on their own. The environment should add to that. Um, I, I'm hoping for a good game, but I, I think Notre Dame's going to need to make, going to need Clemson to play poorly 
and going to have to have their defense affect the game in ways they really haven't been able to before last week at Syracuse. Okay, it's prediction time. I'm going to give out my very unreliable prediction. Uh, let's say 28 to 21 Clemson. I'm just putting numbers together, basically. What would you say, Matt? Yeah, I, I could. After last week, I could talk myself into this being a closer game than, than I think a lot of people think. Um, you know, Vegas knows everything, right? I mean, they haven't exactly been right about Clemson this year, but again, I, I trust those guys more than I trust myself. Um, there's a reason they're there and I'm here. And at some point you almost talk yourself into thinking Clemson's going to get got. And I don't think they're going to lose this game. Um, I think Notre Dame will play inspired. I think it is poor as not poor, but as, as uneven as the season has gone for Notre Dame. They've got two big tests this final month between the Clemson game and the USC game, both of which they can play spoiler for those teams' playoff hopes. And if you win even one of those, you're talking about an eight and four team when a week ago we were wondering if these guys would even get bowl eligible. So I think there's still a lot of meat left on the bone for this Notre Dame team here. I just don't think they're talented or deep enough to keep up with Clemson. Uh, I'll go Tigers 31-24. Um, I'll go the seven point spread just like you. Okay. Sounds good. We'll probably both be wrong, but that doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, all right. So yeah, thanks, Matt. Uh, I'll give one more plug for the, the Tiger Take newsletter. Uh, go to postandcourier.com forward slash the Tiger Take. Subscribe to that if you want. And Matt, how can we follow you? W where can we find your work? Work at The Athletic. Please subscribe if you haven't already on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna and uh, co-host the uh, Shamrock podcast on The Athletic platform and everywhere you get your podcasts with uh, our Notre Dame beat writer, Pete Sampson. So that's always fun. And if you're uh, looking to learn a little bit about uh, the, the team you're facing this weekend, please uh, give us a download and tune in this week. Absolutely. Go listen to Matt and go read his stuff. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Matt, for stopping by. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Um, should have fun at the game. All right. See you. Thanks.